The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is John Billingsley, Dr. Phil Flox from Star Trek Enterprise. Now, I'm reading something that was written for me, and I think they could have done better. So this yes. is not me. This is them. My prescription for you is a healthy dose of the Track Geeks podcast starring Dan Davidson and Bill. He could have done better, Smith. It truly is the best medicine. Oh, come on, boys. And here's how they close it. Doctor's orders. Shame, tisk tisk. For the record, that was Dan Davidson that wrote that. That was me. <laughs> Wow. Well, that's uh, even better because now it's forever blamed on Bill. That's forever blamed on Bill. There Thank you, you, Mr. Bacula. There you go. Ooh, <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Department of Retro Exploration at Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, one and all Trekkies, Trekkers, and Trek fans all over the globe and the known universe. Welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 282. We are so excited you're here at Trek Geeks this week because we have a conversation we simply cannot wait for. Of course, by we, I do mean my illustrious co-host and myself. Um, I, I really, you know, it's been 281 times I've introduced this guy. And um, to say that I can't be bothered to really introduce him anymore is, is probably on message. So, hey... Hi, I'm Dan Davidson. I'm the uh, <laughs> oh, hi. host of the Trek Geeks podcast. It's a pleasure Are you? to be here. It's great to see you, Mr. Producer. I, I, I love your work. It's fantastic. I'm, Thank I'm glad you. to be here to talk about a, to- a topic that we've been looking forward to talk about for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you said it because you're the person who always tells what the episode is. You, you say it in these very nondescript terms like, I'm going to tell people what the episode is. Well, and then I just go, why don't you tell them about it? Well, well I felt that I should do kind of something like that because you decided not to do the intro that I look forward that's to. That's not how this... single week. I, it's, like, not, it's what I live for these days it's because they're always so... Because there isn't awesome. much else. <laughs> 
Wow. Oh, boy. We're continuing the dark theme of the outtake that we just did. <laughs> if you make it to the end of the episode, listen past the end music. You'll hear what we're talking about. don't fall about. asleep driving. Don't fall asleep driving. But uh, your voice is generally one that, you know, calcifies entire spinal columns or puts people into a narcoleptic state. Yeah. So before uh, people catch a few Zs here, why don't you tell us what today's episode is? It's exciting. Very excited. We've been waiting for this for a long time. As everybody knows, season two of Discovery was fantastic with the reintroduction of Captain Pike, played by the wonderful Anson Mount. Ethan Peck is Spock, and Rebecca Romaine is number one. Great season two of Discovery, and the fans loved it so much that Alex Kurtzman and his team listened, and we finally have the latest show for Star Trek fans, and it is Strange New Worlds. It debuted a couple of weeks ago, and it is... It is the trek that we have been waiting for for a very long time, and we're going to talk about it uh, on this episode here, and we will say right up front, buddy, um, the first two episodes are out. We have seen the first five, um, and if people have not watched it yet, we are going to have some spoilers in here. Uh, We'll do our best not to do any spoilers for episodes three through five, because we can't. I say we won't do any spoilers for episodes three through five. There may be some things about the first two episodes um, that uh, uh, are spoiler-ish, so just keep that in mind, listeners, please. Normally, we leave discussions like this to Discovering Trek and the, the more than able crew over there who's doing such a great job talking about Strange New Worlds here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. But, you know, um, you and I are so excited for this as fans, we just yeah. couldn't let it pass by us without taking the opportunity to talk about um, what this show is doing for us. So um, we're going to do that uh, in just a bit. Um, probably we should, before we can sort of jump into the sponsor segment, hmm. let's talk about a, a brand new development that's going to be announced, well, Today is this drops. <laughs> Breaking from the Trek Geeks newsroom, Dan. Um, <laughs> Fan Geeks Party 2022 is on, and uh, it's it's happening during Vegas and the 56-year mission in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Absolutely so excited. This is going to be, it's going to be three years since we last did one of these. It is. Um, And we cannot be more excited about this. As usual, we have partnered with our dear friends over at Fansets for the Fan Geeks Party, and we're calling this one The Return, which is, you know, we're returning, so that's that's a good title. I it's like probably it. a good yeah, thing yeah. to call it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're even more excited is we were going to have the party last year at Tommy Rocker's in Vegas. Uh, we had everything planned, but of course we had to change plans at the last minute. We're going to be there again this time, buddy. We're going back to Tommy Rocker's, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. We're going to be giving away stuff. Fansets is going to be there. We're going to have trivia, and Tommy Rocker's has phenomenal food phenomenal drinks we want everybody who's there to be buying and food and drinking drinks and having a good time it's going to be awesome it really is it would have been really easy for tommy rockers to say they didn't want to have us this year because we had to cancel last year's event um and so we want as many people to show up to this party as can get tickets and we'll talk about that in a second um to show tommy rockers what star trek fandom is about they're taking a chance on us and we want them to Um, extend an invitation for next year too. So um, that leads us to the whole tickets thing. Mm -hmm. So tickets are 100% free. They always will be. Um, There will never be a charge to enter this party because we don't want it that way and Fansets doesn't want it that way. Tickets will be available Friday, May 20th at noon Pacific through the Trek Geeks mobile app. Now the Trek Geeks mobile app is free. 
you there's there's no cost to use there's no cost to download while you're there you can also discover some of the absolutely free content we have there that's not available anywhere else but it's available for ios and android and uh at at noon pacific on friday the 20th the link will pop in to get tickets through eventbrite um and uh I can't wait. It's going to be, it's always the highlight of our convention experience in Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's, uh, I'm stammering to the point where I'm so excited because this is finally (laughs) happening. That doesn't happen often. I don't care if I have to dress like John Travolta and the boy in the plastic bubble. I'm attending this party. I I think that maybe you should cosplay as that just to do it. Um, I'll be (laughs) off of that. So, so I think we also, do we want to, do we want to talk about the date also? I mean, it's a big thing. I mean, it's going to be available on the app, the free, 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 free app that you can get. Free, uh, free, free. The free, free, free uh, Trek Geeks app. But uh, we're looking at Friday, August 26th. We like to take Friday night as the night that we do this. It's, you know, everybody's getting into town. They're ready to party on the big day uh, on Saturday, the big day at the convention. So Friday night, uh, August 26th at Tommy Rocker's. You got to be there because it's going to be awesome. You're going to win some cool stuff from fan sets. We're going to be the hosts as we always are. We're going to have a great time. And oh, I can't wait. I'm even going to wear my special Star Trek shirt that I always wear. You? Uh, I'm, I, I can't imagine it. <laughs> that never happens. I might get a new one. <laughs> you might just might. So yeah, get yourself to trekgeeks.com slash app to download the Trek Geeks mobile app today. And uh, on that, uh, we look forward to seeing you all in Vegas to partay. Y'all. And as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansats, you know, the people we co-host the annual Fan Geeks party with in Las Vegas, for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Yeah, indeed we do, man. We, we always want to thank them for not only being a part of our family, but for providing just the very best pins and deltas available to mankind. They had a blast this past weekend at the final Starfest in Denver, and I know they love being back on that convention scene, and as you said, it's going to be pretty awesome on August 26th at that Fan Geeks party. Uh, but enough about that for right now. You want to know what new pins are available over at fansets.com right now. Uh, well, there's still a few of the Mission Chicago special pins, so get them while you can. And Deltas, oh my God, Bill, let's talk about Deltas. A couple weeks ago, the motion picture Delta in both pin and magnet version were released. Uh, and I think, Bill, you said to me that it's become your very favorite Delta so far, if I remember correctly. That you would remember correctly. Yeah, it is It is pretty nice. And also, this one's great. It was just released and it's selling fast. The Future Imperfect Delta is ready to add to your collection. It's one of my favorite episodes of TNG and it's one of my favorite Deltas. And this too is available in both pin and magnetic form, buddy. Anyone who hears knocking in the background, that's my dog Isabella's tail against the sofa because my wife has just come downstairs and we're leaving this in the episode because it's <laughs> it's fantastic. But you know what I'm going to say anyway. Head on over to fansets.com. Put those Chicago pins and those awesome new Deltas in your cart and maybe a couple of accessories too. And then at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special discount code word TrekGeeks. That's TrekGeeks with and all capital letters with no spaces for 10% off your entire order. Um, and of course, don't forget when you spend more than $30 on fansets.com, you'll automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So, Bill, I say it every week. Gonna say it again right now. If you haven't checked out the Galaxy's first interactive Tribble from Science Division, I, you're just missing out. Simple as that. <laughs> 
It, it is that simple. This officially licensed Tribble is an amazing high-quality Star Trek collectible, which we know you're going to be proud to add to your collection. You and I both have one, Dan, and we love these Tribbles. So much work and creativity went into creating these right down to the softest fur you can possibly imagine. Well, not softer than Isabella's, but that's a different story. Plus, the sounds the Tribble makes are straight out of the original series. You're going to swear that this Tribble was delivered straight from Space Station K7 right to your door. Plus, the Science Division Tribble has its own app that you can use to control it. Uh, it's not necessary, but I got to tell you, it's a lot of fun to make it scream at people like annoying podcast co-hosts. That joke will never get old, so I will always use it. Uh, fret not, however. Everyone except Bill knows. That's right. You guessed it. Tribbles are not dangerous, Bill. They're not? So head on over to ScienceDIV.com right now to pick up one of the galaxy's first interactive dribbles for your very own. Plus, while you're there, check out their new and improved shop accessories section where you can get all kinds of Science Division swag like t-shirts and mugs or even the legendary Science Division tote bag. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox, also known as John Billingsley, speaking. I am the president of the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused and to those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing extraordinary social service programs. We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in L.A., come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. Well, you know, Dan, it's not too often here on Trek Geeks that we talk about Trek that is currently in production because we usually reserve those conversations for discovering Trek. True. Because people want them, or people don't want spoilers in in the Trek Geeks feed. Um, And the full notice, I mean, we are going to talk specifics about the first couple of episodes of Strange New Worlds. So if you haven't seen Strange New Worlds, what are you doing? Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, and if you live in the UK, starting June 22nd, you'll have Paramount Plus and you can see it then. Yes. Um, so you may want to skip from here, unless you really don't care about spoilers, in which case, keep listening. But you are so warned. If you just want to listen to me screwing up my words, then then play along, people. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there are some doozies. <laughs> yes. Are, are there not? Any. Oh, dogs are leaving. Bye, doggies. Hey, look over there. Sue's calling you. That's my wife. Hi. Hi, honey. Hi. Hi. Okay, she's not going to say hi. Yeah. yeah. No, we're recording right now, so you're, you're talking to millions of our listeners right now, minus I mean, millions. No, no, she's talking to me, because <laughs> it's not live. Oh, that's okay. <clears throat> you can pretend it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so spoiler alert. Yes. So, so yeah, so um, we are going to talk about Strange New Worlds and its premiere, which is just so incredibly exciting. This is really the first time that the fans have been really, I, I want to say heard since 1968 Yes, I in agree. what they wanted as far as Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I mean, we've talked about it before um, when the crew of the enterprise was introduced uh, in season two of discovery. 
with Captain Pike at the helm, played by Anson Mount. It had such an unbelievable um, uh, response by the fans of how Anson and and Rebecca and Ethan played these characters. The Enterprise looked great, and fans went nuts and 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 literally demanded that the, that they have their own show. And the powers that be at CBS listened to uh, uh, listened to the fans, saw what um, success they were having on uh, at the time CBS All Access and and the subscriptions, and and they signed on for a new series, and and we got it, and we got Strange New Worlds, and it returned to the original Trek premise of episodic television, which we haven't seen for several years, uh, with all of these new shows that have come along. So uh, it's very it's a very exciting time that uh, not only that we have new Star Trek that, but that the 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 people in charge of Star Trek listened to what the fans wanted and granted our wishes. Yeah, and we want to stress, you know, episodic live action Star Trek because right. people could argue that Lower Decks is episodic, and sure. largely it is. Yep. Um, and and that's that's completely fine. We love Lower Decks, obviously. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, as the co-hosts of Discovering Trek Lower Decks. Yes. Um, you know, in 1968, Gene Roddenberry kind of organizes this letter writing campaign, which for years he said he didn't organize, but we know he did. Mm -hmm. And it saved the original series and gave it a third season. Right. And that campaign is somewhat legendary. There are mixed reports on how much input fans had with the regard of, of getting strange new worlds off the ground. Because, I mean, some interviews have come out and said, well, they kind of had this in the back of their minds when Pike was introduced. But for two solid years, all fans did at conventions was ask, when are we getting a Pike series? Right. When are we getting a Pike series? And it's manifested into what we got um, really just a couple of weeks ago. And I, I, I want to start with your initial reaction from when you watched the first episode. Um, and we'll talk about the first 10 minutes specifically, because I think that that's really kind of a high watermark. Um, you get through the, the opening tease. You get into the opening credits, and how does fifty something Dan Davidson react? I cried. <laughs> I I, it's, I I saw that first image of of a part of the ship, and I'm, and I heard that first note. I'm like, oh my god, this is great. Then I heard Anson doing the monologue, and I started crying. I was I was completely not prepared for it. I didn't know they were doing this. Um, it, not only does it look phenomenal seeing these different uh, angles of the ship when he's doing that monologue, I think he does the best Space the Final Frontier monologue that has ever been done. I think it's better than Shatner's. I think it's better than Sir Patrick's. I just think it's fantastic. His voice was made for that opening, and it was just awesome. And then the music kicks in, the actual theme for Strange New Worlds. And it's it was breathtaking to me, man. I don't know how you feel, but uh, it was it was overwhelming for me. I, I got to tell you, 50-something-year-old me was also overwhelmed. And I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, we've, for so long with Star Trek series, we, we're used to having an opening title sequence that doesn't contain any narration whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, really, it's the first time since TNG that this really has occurred, if you think right. about it, because yep. Enterprise didn't have one. Yep. Um, but the last two series before it with that were about ships named Enterprise did. So it made sense that it was going to have it. And when I, I saw the opening credits flash on the screen, I was like, oh, I felt like Michael Scott. Oh, this is happening. <laughs> um, and, and I was... I. The overwhelmed really is the word. I mean, thematically, it was perfect. 
um, Anson's voiceover was, was fantastic. I guess he did three different versions that they edited together from his house. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's historic. You know, it's amazing. And, and I'm never going to get over this aspect of it. Listening to Anson, talking to Anson at conventions. He was a fan of the show. Like we were when he was younger. I mean, he's one of these super fans. He's, and he's, and he's so grateful and thankful for what he has now. He's sitting in the captain's chair. He is a legendary captain. And you can tell by the responses that he sends out to Twitter when people like Gates McFadden tweet and say, I just saw the first episode and you guys killed it. And he was just completely taken aback by uh, another Star Trek legend complimenting him. I love the fact that he is, he realizes the shoes that he is in right now and he is humbled by it. I think that's another wonderful aspect to Anson. Well, and really of the whole cast, if you think exactly. about it, yeah. I mean, We've got a number of legacy characters that return in this series. Yep. Um, or I guess return is really the wrong word because it's a prequel, <laughs> but we're seeing them again for the first time, um, which sounds like a contradiction, but in Strange New Worlds terms, it, it seems rather perfect to say it that way. Right. Uh, Anson Mount, I mean, you can't really do a disservice to what he brings to this series because it is that much. It is. I don't think that any other actor in that role brings the kind of gravitas that he has as Chris Pike. I I absolutely agree. And I think that one of the things that's so great about him is we kind of see a little bit of the layers that we saw with the original Captain Pike from the cage and the menagerie. You see that worked into his character a little bit, but he's got this added layer now where he knows what his future is. And seeing him struggling with that brings a whole new dimension to Pike that we never saw before. We didn't even, we didn't see it in season two of Discovery. And I think it's a very interesting aspect. And one of the things that I found most uh, revealing is at the time that we saw him see his future in in Star Trek Discovery, I didn't realize that he also knows exactly when it's going to happen. He not only knows what his future is, he knows the date that it's going to happen. And we found this out in episode one. And I thought that was a very interesting aspect to the whole storyline. Yes, it's going to be an episodic Star Trek series, but there is this backdrop of what he knows is going to happen. And we see flashes of that in, uh, in the first couple of episodes. Well, and he knows the names. Yes. That's a brilliant writing right there. And, and that really kind of blew me away because yeah. you know, with what we saw in, in Star Trek discovery, you know, it was a, a very well-crafted scene. It was a very impactful scene, um, the way it was handled, you know, with his, I want to say his vision on Boreth, mm-hmm. um, or what he saw, what he foresaw. But to know that not only does he just know what happens, but to know names and faces. And then to start kind of, you know, sort of reverse Googling this yeah. whole process to figure out what's going on and with whom. And it's, it, it, it's pretty dark. It is. I thought that was a very great way to end episode two, um, with him pulling up Star, or excuse me, Federation records of all of these kids, and that's exactly what they are at this point in in the timeline for Pike. They're kids. All the images that show up on screen, they're still like in their preteens or early teens. So he knows he has a ways to go, and and I guess that's that's kind of even more eerie when you think about it because I was of the mindset when we first saw this happen that the, you know strange and worlds is going to happen and he's going to be you know questioning himself every time he gives an order because he's going to be is this when it happens and that's not the case he's still got 10 years before it happens and he knows that but still 
still, you saw him questioning a couple of things at the beginning of episode one, and I found it to be very um, dramatic and interesting way that they're starting to deal with what's going to be an interesting plot point going forward. I hope they don't go to it too much. I do too. Um, in, in the first episode, they do have to lay some of that groundwork. Mm-hmm. Totally understand that. Yep. But I mean, that could very easily be the kind of thing that just sort of overshadows um, what could potentially be a really groundbreaking season for, for this show. Um, I, I thought that it was appropriate with how it was referenced in the first episode. I think it's still appropriate with how it's carried forward in episode two. Right. We'll have to see what it means in the remaining eight episodes of the season. But um, so far, I mean, it's, it's easy to see he's a man in conflict. It seems to me that um, although I, I understand where she's coming from, as we see in episode two, I believe, number one's cry- trying to say, you know what? Your destiny's not sealed. Even though the Klingons on Borat told him that it was. You grab the crystal, your fate is sealed. So she's going to try to have him figure out a way to um, not have this happen to him. And I'm kind of, I'm a little concerned about that, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Because uh, who knows what that means for that character. And this is a great time to talk about Rebecca Romaine's yeah. uh, number one, Commander Una Chin Riley. It's nice that this character finally gets a name in canon. <laughs> yes. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long yeah. road. Uh, oh, God. No. Sorry. No. <laughs> you were forbidden from using that phrase ever again. Oh, come on. No. But, uh, you know, obviously they, they borrowed the Una part from, from the novels, which is fantastic. I'm glad that's been canonized. I can't wait to find more about her last name, her hyphenated Chin Riley. Yes. That should be some interesting story. But Did she married um, a transporter chief and we don't know about it? No. Sorry. Riley wasn't the transporter chief. Well, he is. Well, Kyle. I'm sorry, Kyle. Sorry. Kyle. My mistake. My mistake. Kyle, Riley, they sound alike. I spell them the same way. Way to go, super fan. Sorry. You spell them the same way. What an idiot. <laughs> anyway. Um. But it's it's really great to see the relationship that Una and Pike have in episode two, Children mm-hmm. of the Comet, because it's what we would hope for right. with Pike's first officer. Yeah, we like to see that with, with basically, in, in my mind, all of the shows that we see, the first officer and the captain have to have a very special relationship, and it looks like they do. Um, we see in the first one, he, go, he goes off and, and off on a mission when he really doesn't want to so that he can save her, even though he was kind of forced to by uh, Admiral April. Brilliantly cast, I might add, Admiral April, but we'll get into that a little later on. Um, yeah, it is great to see that. It's also great to see that they have this great relationship in this gigantic quarters as he has because I think it's fantastic. I love them. Get those big quarters on all the ships, baby. That's awesome. It's like a whole so, like lodge down at Disney World or something. So many people losing their minds over those I quarters. Know. Like yeah. Kirk had these little postage stamp sized quarters. You know what he did? Yeah. And maybe the ship gets refit yet again to uh, make it more lean for a, a, a mission to deep even further into space. Right. Who knows? Right. Why does it matter? I know. Or uh, as somebody pointed out, which I think is great, maybe um, with all the stress and anxiety that Pike's got over this mission that nobody can know about because it's so classified, they decided to do something for him that will help him deal with all of his anxiety like he loves to cook. He's got a giant kitchen now. Maybe they made a special part in this refit to make his quarter bigger so he'll be more comfortable to be able to perform his duties better. Or maybe he maybe he wanted it for his own mental health. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, man, what a kitchen. Oh my I'm God. a little concerned about the whole open fire thing. <laughs> no, I get it. it. It's, you know, the, it's the 23rd century. You know, there's AI. I'm sure that there's a great fire control system, but right. not even cruise ships have open flames. Maybe it's hollow flames. 
I thought about that, but I doubt it. I doubt it too, because he doesn't like holograms. Remember, he said to get rid of them on the Enterprise back in Discovery. Yeah, I I, I do recall that. Yes. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. See, I remember every once in a while I pull something out of my hat. Yeah, <laughs> you're wearing a hat. That's amazing. <laughs> Could you pull it down a little to cover your face? I do, usually. No, I mean right now. I'm tired of looking oh, at it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, no, but uh, I think number one is going to be the the perfect foil for Pike. I, I agree. I, I think she's going to be um, a strong character in her own right as well, but she is going to be that one that uh, that Pike leans on, as he should, being number one. So we've got a, an array of of other characters that are, are back on the Enterprise or back for the first time. <laughs> um, and I think the one that I'm most excited about probably is, is Dr. Mabenga. Yes. Oh, I love his accent. Babs is great. What's, what's Babs' last name? Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to try to to butcher it because I don't yep. know how to pronounce it, and Olison I could laugh. Mokin, at... I believe is the way it is. Olison Mokin, I believe, is how you pronounce it. I could be wrong. If that's right, I'm giving myself a couple quatlus. I'm just going to put that out right there because yeah. that's right. You should play the lottery. <laughs> yes, yes, I should. But yes, he is. He's fantastic. So he's the he's the chief medical officer, and and that's interesting because by the time Kirk comes on board. McCoy is the chief medical officer and, right. and he is not. So right. it makes me wonder what happens for that character in between now and eight, nine, ten years down the road. And between him and McCoy is uh oh gosh, I'm having a mind blank. It's not Dr. It's not Dr. Pierce. Um Who wants a warm martini? That guy. I can't I'm having a Bryce, Dr. Bryce. Um hey, Yeah, but we have to consider that he's retired. Okay. Because he, we haven't seen him since the cage. Since this happens cage. well after that the cage. Hap- that already took place. Right. Timeline Timeline screw up, Dan, as usual. But yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Boyce is gone. I got a question in regards to uh, Dr. Mabenga <laughs> and uh, Christine Chapel, who we'll get into. Uh, Jess, Jess Bush is doing a fantastic job as a very snarky Christine Chapel, which I love. Why is it, and we have this in today's world, why is it that medical uniforms are white? <laughs> why do you have a white uniform when you're in the place where there's a good chance there's going to be blood and other oddly colored bodily fluids like hitting you at all times? Because it looks good in <laughs> contrast on screen? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, but but Mabenga is wearing this sort of McCoy throwback blue yes. smock, you know, yes. um, yeah. which looks, I mean, that looks about as retro as you can get with the collar and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It and, looks and, pretty and amazing. He's... Just, he's 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 a fine looking gentleman, so it looks good on him no matter what. I like I like this character a lot, a, a, a lot. Uh, and he's right; you never get the house dressing. <laughs> Just don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you brought up um, you brought up Nurse Chapel a bit ago. I, I like the fact that we actually get a character with Nurse Chapel now, yes, as opposed to someone who just hands McCoy a hypo spray mm-hmm. and kind of pines over Roger Corby. And we're already seeing her flirt with Spock, which I think is great. And Uhura catches it, uh, which I which I thought was a great little uh, a little side thing with Episode Two. Um, and I, like I said before, I like her sarcasm and I like her 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 wittiness. She's pr- I've 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 chuckled several times in, in in her scenes because she's she's pretty good. She's really, like when she's like running down the hall and like slams into something, she's like, "Oh, sorry," and just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a different dimension to this character than we've ever seen before I, I it's about time quite honestly yeah um I, i'm glad to have something more than you know just a, an assistant in in sickbay somebody who actually 
knows about messing with the human genome in episode one, which is pretty interesting to start with. It really is. Uh, It was pretty cool. And it's also, you know, we're kind of, we're doing great segues here today, buddy. I appreciate it. I mean, we talked about Dr. Mabenga, which brought us to Chapel, which brought us a little bit to Uhura, but now it's bringing us to, you know, the the genome changing and and the fact that uh, La'an Noonien Singh does not want to have anything to do with pain medication. Yeah, that was an interesting choice. Yes, she's uh, she's an interesting character who is v- very quickly becoming my favorite of the crew of the new crew. Uh, I really think that uh, she's an interesting character. Christina Chong is is beautiful in both her appearance and the way that she brings the character across. Uh, and um, I, I think she's 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 this this uh, this shows Odo so far for me. That's an interesting comparison. Why do you why do you make that? particular leap to that character because it seems that she doesn't want anybody around her she wants to be left alone let her do her thing she's very straightforward she doesn't hold back in her opinion she knows it and whether she thinks it's a flaw or a strength it doesn't matter she's going to do it anyway um and i think those are great i actually like those kind of traits don't you know you know pc crap and holding back how you really feel just causes issues so she says what she needs to say even if it causes issues uh so I, I can respect that. I appreciate that. Um, I, I am very, very interested to hear all about this fact that she was taken hostage by the Gorn, even though we didn't really see the Gorn until Kirk. Um, that'll be an interesting storyline if they build upon it. But uh, I really think she's great. And of course, the whole uh, name and family lineage should be quite interesting as well. I know a number of people were were concerned about that particular aspect. It's like, well, I mean, we've established in in the original series that nobody knew who Khan was, and that's not entirely true. True, um, they didn't recognize him at first because it's not like he had a sign around his neck that said, "Hey, I'm Khan." Right. Um, and then, as far as Lon, I think that my my worry was that the character might be a little too much like um, uh, Alara on the Orville, this sort of super strong female security chief that's, you know, kind of takes a, a bunch of the action. And I, I think already that this character of Laon is, is more, far more nuanced and, and written much better, quite honestly. Um, I find it interesting. I'm, I'm sure that these people uh, in Starfleet have watched television and or, or Holovision or however you want to call it, and they've seen life experience. And don't these people know by now that you don't, keep something secret from your commanding officer because you know it's just going to come back and bite you in the ass at some point. That's exactly what happens with her in the very first episode. I thought it was interesting, but that's one of the things I like about her. She realized it. She she owned up to it. She talked to him and cleared the air. And that's one of the other things that made me think, I'm going to really like this character. She understands when she makes mistakes and she's willing to admit it. Well, there is that too. I mean, that's that's a very bold choice and and a much different portrayal than we would have gotten, say, fifty plus years ago. True, because that honestly was not what we would get. If you yeah. think about it, oh yeah, absolutely, and and it shows the the both the strength of this character, the strength of the writing, um, and also it it tends to make me wonder. Why did she feel she needed to hold this back? Is she going to do it again? Is there other things that she doesn't want people to know about? So I think her character right now, for me, um, 
aside from Pike, because Pike is separate from everybody else, has the most layers that we can uh, kind of peel back and, and find out more about this character. So I'm very excited to, to see what La'an brings to the show. You know, it's interesting. In the cage, you know, Pike is still trying to get used to having a woman on the bridge. Yeah. And now he has a bridge full of women, <laughs> yeah, um, which seems to me to be the, the best way to, to undo all of that. Yep. And, and probably the, the next notable on the list is probably uh, the Ortegas at, at the helm. Um, what a great, great character already in just the two episodes that we've seen. Um, I can imagine so much more for this particular character, but, um, the legacy of, of people at that particular position is safe with this character. Absolutely. She's a badass right off the bat. I mean, totally. Uh, I love her. Uh, um, I love the way that she expresses herself. She doesn't have any problem saying things like, oh, that's going to piss him off right to the captain. Uh, I think it's great. She's she's obviously very good at her job, as we saw some great effects of the Enterprise doing evasive maneuvers uh, uh, in episode two. Um, and I think, and, and she likes to have fun with the crew as she, as she had, uh, Uhura wear her dress uniform to dinner at the captain's <laughs> quarter, which was hysterical the way that Pike reacted to it. Um, and I think this is another example of great casting. Melissa does a great job as Ortegas and I can't wait to see what happens with her character as well. And you said it a minute ago, I think it's so great that there are so many women in all these positions on the bridge. It's, it's so good to see, um, after everything that we've experienced over the last, you know, however many years with with whatever problems people have um with with women in positions of power i think it's great to see it and i hope it continues well it makes me wonder how how you know how for how long into you know the the star trek universe does enterprise bingo go you know is there enterprise bingo on 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 the enterprise d for example sure because yeah. <laughs> i mean if it's a tradition uh, does it span generations I guess is the first question I have. True. Um, can't wait to find out more about that. But of course, the subject of that hazing, uh, Cadet Uhura, <laughs> is probably the most notable cast edition that, that we've seen. Um, a lot of people were up in arms about this because we're talking about one of the original seven characters. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it's safe to say that we learn more about Uhura in this first two episodes than we do in 56 years. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic. There's this mystery backstory of of Uhura that has been around for, for decades and decades. And right off the bat, we hear about things that have happened to her, about her family, her parents getting killed in a shuttle accident. And she's only joining Starfleet because she didn't want to go to the university where she was supposed to go because they weren't there anymore. And so it was just kind of a thing to do. And she didn't think she was going to stay. And Celia does it's phenomenal. I, I can only imagine. I'm I'm hoping that Nichelle has gotten a chance to see and and understand what's going on with this show to see what a what a great job uh Celia's doing as the pre Nichelle Uhura. Um the character is definitely in good hands. Episode two was specifically focused on her character. Um, I did have to watch it a couple of times because the first time I watched Children of the Comet, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, 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 uh, this is all right. Then I watched it again. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. This is, this is Star Trek in every way, shape, or form. Um, and she's going to be a great cast member. The other good thing I think is good about this, Bill, for characters like Spock and for Pike and, uh, and Uhura, maybe only... We don't have to worry about anything happening with them on a away mission or getting killed or something like that because we know they won't. 
<laughs> I think that I think that's kind of allows us to kind of be okay with whatever direction they decide to go in because we know in the end they're around for a lot longer, so I think we're good. <laughs> so you're saying the show's going to be boring? Okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> wow, your words, not mine. I oh, know, not mine. You're the one who said we don't have to worry about anything. So it's not boring. Um, you're boring, and I don't worry about you ever. Um. <laughs> I can't fault that. Uh, I'm going to offer one minor correction, and that is we've been mispronouncing Celia Rose Gooding's uh, name uh, for at least a couple of episodes, yes, and that is the, the proper pronunciation. Thank you. Um, I did it on national television. It's okay. That's okay. Um, but uh, she does have a, a definite preferred pronunciation of her first name. I, I stand corrected. Celia it is. Excellent. Indeed. Um, I feel like I'm – I know I'm forgetting somebody. Um, oh God! Maybe some pointy-eared guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good to have Spock back. Oh God, it's so. Good. Um, Ethan Peck was so great in season two of Star Trek Discovery. Um, somebody who understands and respected the legacy of this character, and already in the first two episodes is doing a fantastic job building upon it. Absolutely. Um, I, I really, I really liked what he did in Discovery. Um, so, of, of course, I'm very excited to see him here. And, and we get to see some of that early Spock that we saw in the cage and, and where no man has gone before, where we actually hear him laugh uh, when he's uh, in the shuttle uh, at the end of episode two, which I thought was great. Um, we see him and and to bring wow spoiler alert there what there for for episode one to bring is in it and uh and i'm sure people's heads were exploding and the fact that they were kissing and not touching fingers and were about to get naked as to bring put it to uh pike when he called on the on the communicator phone visual tv thingamajig that uh, spock had set up in his quarters or whatever it was yeah the communicator is a docking station now which is yeah. is kind of interesting I love the sound um, it makes, that's for sure. It's like a phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to want one of those now. That's, that's the problem. Yeah, it, absolutely. I sure, I am right there with you. Um, but I think it's great that they are, that, that, first of all, that the fact that they brought to bring back, so we know that, you know, they're working on that whole relationship where we know where that's going to head at, uh, at some point. Don't want to run amok or anything. <laughs> anyway, uh, but... Um, it's good that they're doing these things and it'll be interesting. You know, we got a little glimpse of Tepring and, and her attitude. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that uh, continues and we get to see it build a little bit more as the season and series progresses. Yeah. <laughs> I wish people could see the stupid faces you make when you, <laughs> when you make a joke that cracks yourself up. I, I wasn't laughing at anything. <laughs> I'm laughing at your face. I'm not funny. That's that is probably the truest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Um, I, I agree to all that. It'd be interesting to see if Stan shows up at some point. That would be very cool. That would be really cool. Yeah, I would like. Um, lastly, and certainly not least, I mean, we do have to kind of talk about Hammer, um, which who doesn't really make an appearance, you know, in episode one per se, but we do get an introduction to this character in the second episode, which is is really kind of cool. It's nice to see them go back to the Anar. Yes. Uh, it's nice to have a character with this sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I imagine that all engineers of this era kind of have a similar attitude because Scotty was just more pleasant about it, but <laughs> he knew he was the best at what he did. Yeah. Um, but it. Uh, this is a character I'm really looking forward to them building out. I'm so excited for Bruce to have this role. Um, 
we see this happening in in Hollywood and and in TV all the time now that people of specific ethnicity or or whatever get now cast in the roles that they should be cast in, and he's legally blind in real life. So now we have a legally blind person playing a blind character in Star Trek, and he's fantastic. He I <laughs> attitude is is the smallest word you can put on it. He's he's <laughs> arrogant to a point where it's awesome, and I, I really like him. Um, like you said, we only got to see him for a second or two in episode one. We got to see him in the kitchen. The kitchen scene with him, Spock, and Uhura was, was great. It was a great way to introduce him, how it's so cool that he can't see a thing, yet he's catching stuff that's being thrown from behind him and and getting, getting irritated the fact that Uhura was, seemed to be asking for seeing he wanted help simply because he was blind. He's going to be a great a great addition to this crew and I'm looking forward to lengthy lines of dialogue with him because I'm going to be like wow this guy's awesome every single time he opens his mouth. The only thing that was weird to me about that scene was a cadet um who still was very much a cadet and not yet an officer was giving lip to two officers. Yeah, I think uh, I kind of put that alongside as it's it's early Star Trek quote timeline early Star Trek. We kind of see that a lot. Um, of of course, we see it a lot with Ortegas, but she is she is an officer now, and and I think I think maybe Pike just allows for a little bit more relaxed atmosphere on the ship. I'm just I don't know. I'm just I'm just using that as a possible excuse for it because I think it works. I like it. It shows that the people have a closeness even though they don't know each other yet. If that makes any sense. No, it does. And it says in that gathering, Pike certainly does relax things. Yeah. Um, that doesn't exist on the bridge, despite Ortegas, um, who is just, that is the way Ortegas is wired. And that's, yeah. I think that, that works. She kind of reminds me a little bit like, um, like Balana. She's going to be the way she's going to be. She's got, Balana's got the engineer aspect of irritability and being kind of a pain in the butt. But she also has that, I'm going to say what I want. She kind of reminds me a little bit of Balana. And the way that she does that. It's kind of like if she did a podcast with Dan Davidson. Wow. I see what you're doing. Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> so first two episodes are out. Obviously the pilot, I guess you can't really call it a pilot because this show um, didn't really have a, a pilot in pilot season. This really was the premiere. So let's call it that. Strange New Worlds. Yep. I think the first time a an episode has carried the name of the actual series. Very cool. Yes, I like that. And then Children of the Comet, which really does present sort of a, well, kind of a, a classic Star Trek kind of problem that requires a solution. How many comets have force fields? True. I, I immediately thought of... Um, uh, the episode with McCoy when he's got the fatal disease and they go on that asteroid, which is actually a spaceship. Oh, is that for the, the world, world is hollow? hollow and I have touched the sky or touched yeah. the FARC, depending on if you listen to my FARCisms. Um, but I uh, don't. I, I know you don't. Um, but it kind of made me think of that a little bit. But uh, a great episode where people have to work together and we see um, huh, Sam Kirk. Look at that. Getting zapped. <laughs> huh. oh, I bet how many people's heads exploded on that one. <laughs> well, but he was doing very Kirkish type things. Let's he be was. honest. But only only Jim calls him Sam Bill. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, throughout okay. the whole premiere episode, you know, they're they're teasing. You know, well, Lieutenant Kirk hasn't come aboard. I'm like, wait right. a second, this he's not supposed to be in this. Exactly. And there's the head fake with Sam at the end. I'm like, well, at least it's not Shatner and a really bad mustache. <laughs> true. That's true. Um, while we're on different castings of not crew member, um, I said it earlier. I wanted to talk about it before. How 
excited I was at the very beginning of the episode where Pike's out riding who I assume to be Tango um, and shuttle lands and a guy gets out of the shuttle and starts talking to him, giving him orders. And, and you find out that it's actually Robert April, who is an admiral now. Adrian Holmes cannot be happier for this guy to be landing this role with all of the crap that we had to listen to on social media when it was announced that he was playing this character. Um, he does a great job. I loved seeing him in every scene he's been in, and I look forward to seeing more Admiral April uh, played by Adrian Holmes as we go forward. He was fantastic in Bel Air. He's great in in Strange New Worlds. You know, even the, the guy who created the character for the yes. animated series said it was great to see the character finally come to life, as it yep. were. Um, I'm looking, I hope we get to see more of him. I imagine he's not going to be a bad role because he is Robert April. True. Uh, I'm thinking that maybe this be a first in a Star Trek series. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it wouldn't be because, I mean, Cornwell wasn't a bad role. That was a joke, Bill. Um, Picard isn't a bad role. Except in the other universe. That doesn't count, though. It's, it's not... The Borg Slayer. It doesn't count there, though. <laughs> By the way, Picard spoilers. Oh, Thanks, yeah. Dan. Oh, jeez. Okay. Sorry about that. God. Uh, he is, he's great. Um, I, I love the fact that something that for so many long, so many years people have wondered is canon is now canon. <laughs> Robert April's canon, baby. Robert April's canon. And he's, yep. isn't he in season one of Discovery when Saru has to take command? He goes to that list of the greatest Starfleet captains. Correct. Isn't Robert April on that he, list? He definitely is in that list. He absolutely is. Yep. Along with Chris Pike and Philippa Giorgio. And I think at one point, isn't Decker listed in something? Matt or, Decker, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, I, I appreciated that, that episode um, was very TOS-like, The Children of the Comet. Yes, it was. Um, it, it, I, I love the fact that there was not CGI for the alien. It was an actual practical head that they had to shoot and the actor could not see in, which I thought was amazing. Cool alien, too. Yeah, I, I love... I liked it. I love how Pike is like, the shepherds, really? <laughs> <laughs> and how do, how do they explain it? Well, that's just how the translator, you know... <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> that's like, oh, what a great line. It's like, and because, you know... You know, Shepard couldn't be, you know, in every language. Yeah. What did Ortegas call them? The space monks. Space monks. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty yeah. funny, too. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, it was good. Um, I, I liked the what was required in episode two being another good Star Trek episode is the needed teamwork in order to figure out what the problem was. I thought that was really cool. I liked it. Plus, it gives Uhura a chance to shine. I mean, you know, we we touch on her musical ability in Star Trek five and not in the best way. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. It's uh it's entertaining. Ab absolutely. Nichelle is, is wonderful, but the whole fan dance scene is, is, I don't want to say it's not problematic, but it's just, it's not, it's not great. It's Star Trek five. As far as the scene goes. Yeah. Um, because at that age, as I pointed out, when we talked about Star Trek five, um, who is the same age as my mother. Yeah. And that doesn't really work for me. Right. I agree, um, 100%. However, here Uhura has to use music to figure out how to communicate with this alien race. And I think that's really the most interesting thing of all. Plus, Spock's explanation of how music is essentially just math. Beautiful. It, it This was a really, really great episode and a really great exploration of things we take for granted every day. Right. And to be able to see Spock sing is also kind of cool. But yeah, that line, that music is basically math. I thought was a was a brilliant was a brilliant part of the episode, and I really liked it a lot. So we get to see Spock laugh and sing in the same episode. Well, we don't he, don't see him laugh; we hear him laugh. I'm going to be honest; uh, I, I didn't like the laugh. 
oh it was a corny laugh but we get to but we see saw we saw spock smile in the in the cage um we did we do know that that and we saw him laugh in the turbo lift um uh in short treks so Mm -hmm. i like that they are still dealing with this young version of spock who does show emotion from time to time um and doesn't seem to be overly afraid to do so like we see later on down the line Totally. I mean, I appreciate those callbacks. I appreciate the fact that it's being true to who Spock is. I just didn't think it necessarily fit in that space in the episode. Uh, that is the most minor quibble, though. All, overall, I think it's a fantastic episode of television. It's a great episode of Star Trek. And um, right now, we're, we've got two home runs for Strange New Worlds, quite frankly, between episodes one and two. Yeah. And let's talk about episode one for a second, because um, we, we haven't we've we've we touched on it just a little bit. What a what an un- amazing premiere for a series. I mean, every aspect of this episode was great. You know, the introduction of all the characters. I thought the fact that they beamed down to a planet and looking like aliens was great. And the look of the aliens was pretty cool. It was. It was easy, but it was cool too. And why does it always have to be an alley? Was just a fantastic line <laughs> from Pike when they beamed down. Um, everything no, but, about- no, but the best line is, Captain, where are my pants? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line. Um, but everything that took place while they were down on the planet was really cool. I mean, you know, how how uh, uh, Lon takes control of the situation and shows off her fighting skills I thought was really good. And I thought it was interesting that she had to tell Spock to give him the Vulcan nerve pinch. I thought that was kind of cool, too. Um, and I got to say, and I, I don't want to get political here because we don't do this here on Trek Geeks, but I do have to bring it up. I thought it was phenomenal that for the first time that I can recall, Star Trek used actual footage of an actual event to portray something in the episode. Star Trek has always talked about what's going on socially in the world at the time that the episodes are being filmed. But to see actual images from the January 6th insurrection to describe how the Second Civil War started, which led to the eugenics wars, which led to World War III and almost the destruction of the entire planet. Bravo. I thought it was fantastic. I loved every moment of it. And when my wife saw it, her, her jaw dropped as well. She thought it was, was amazing that they actually had the, had the balls to do that. I thought, it, I thought it worked really well. I don't disagree. Even if their timing is off, it, it, um, yes. because the eugenics wars theoretically happened in the 1990s, which is when Khan leaves Earth. Um, even if, if that's the case, um, I, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, I'm tired of this BS narrative that, that, with some people that Star Trek is too woke yeah. um, because it's just, it's, it's been woke since day one, since 1966. Yeah. I mean, uh, Star Trek took on Nazism and said, Hey, by the way, this is really, really bad. Don't ever do it. Mm-hmm. Star Trek took on Vietnam. Star Trek took on racism. Star Trek took on drugs, you know, over, over the years, Star Trek has taken on any one of a number of things and always been at the forefront, maybe not in the most in your face way, Mm-hmm. which is the critique some people have, which I still fundamentally disagree with. Right. But it, and it's reused footage from other historical events, just not to say that this was one of the leading causes as to, you know, what happens right. next in your planet's evolution. Right. We see plenty of, you know, film like newsreel footage in the guardian of forever and the city on the edge of forever, you know, with real world events you know, we see library computer tapes with things, um, but this is really, like you said, the first time that they took a current event right. and said it was unrest like this that led to the Second Civil War. It's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I really thought that that was great that the the writers wrote that in. Um, 
And and you're right for the people that that were upset with it because it's, that's not what Star Trek's supposed to do. Like you said, they've been doing that since '66. People, I mean, uh, uh, wake up! Don't talk about woke. Wake up because you've missed it for 55 years. If you think this is the first time it's happened, well, and kudos to the producers and to CBS and Paramount Plus um, for saying, yeah, go with that footage because mm-hmm. that works. Mm-hmm. It it successfully amplifies the story they could have easily said let's use something else right let's you know let, let's not make let's not make this choice on this particular hill on this particular day instead you know it's in the script they said let's do it and they did it and i think that i think it's more impactful with that particular footage i don't think it's as impactful if they choose something out of history I agree, which is why I think it, it was it was such a, sh- a shock in a good way for me that it actually was was shown. Um, I I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was important for them to do it, and I'm glad I'm I'm so glad that they decided to go with that. I liked in that episode. There's also a loophole. Um, it's weird that they could just see this in space and figure out how to reverse engineer, a, a, you know, a warp reactor. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you just allow for that, because there's plenty of Star Trek that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. If you can accept that, and I can, uh, maybe these people are just, you know, like the Ioceans, maybe they can just, you know, emulate anything they really want to and figure it out if with enough time. Yeah. Um, it's it's actually a, a pretty entertaining hour of television, a great way to start the series off. And, and I like how they, they, pulled the whole idea of what happened in the season finale of discovery season two with the battle with control that's the that there it's their fault that this even happened i really liked how they pulled that together even though for most of the episode i couldn't talk to it about it to anybody but then they they discuss it i really like how they they kind of kind of grabbed that aspect of what happened in Discovery and made it a very important point that what's going on on this particular planet. I loved that. Well, and even April says toward the end of the episode, it's like, you know, I essentially had to call in some favors and and do whatever to find out what happened. But wow, hell of a job, Chris. It's yeah. like, um, yeah, we, we kind of, you know, help save, you know, Everything. sentient life. Yeah. <laughs> no matter Could, well. Couldn't yeah. save Cornwall, uh, Cornwall though, but oh, you know. boy. I still want to know what that blast door was made out of because they should make the whole ship out of it. It's too heavy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Pike doesn't even flinch, you know? (laughs) Yeah, he's like, huh. That torpedo detonates and it's just like, oh, well, that's a bummer. That's got (laughs) to (laughs) hurt. Too soon? No, I don't think so. Um, (laughs) It's important to note that, you know, the, the premiere of Strange New Worlds doesn't diminish my love or my anticipation for any of the other Star Trek that's going on right now. True. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, real Trek is back. No, real Trek has been here the whole time. It has. It's that episodic Trek in the format that people are used to has returned. And I think that's really the big distinction here. Um, today, as we record this, I have had post on treknews.net an, an, an op-ed piece on the things that I think are wrong with Star Trek Discovery. Um, and that's not the result of Strange New Worlds. It's not because I love Strange New Worlds more. It's because um, I, I think that there are substantive ways to improve discovery. Um, if I look at Strange New Worlds, it probably already has launched into one of my all-time favorite treks after just two episodes. Mm-hmm. And the only show I could ever say that about was the original series the first time I watched right. it. And and to and to be very clear, which I know that you're going to talk about and, and you do talk about in your, in your op-ed, you love Discovery. 
I do. It's, it's a fantastic show, but I agree with you. There are fundamental flaws on how they have done things over the four seasons. And I think that your opinion piece is very well written. It shows it in a way that is unlike what we see on Poison social media. We're just bashing the hell out of it for no reason and don't have any substance reason why you're bringing up these points. And it's a fantastic show. I love Discovery. And all these people that say it isn't real Star Trek can go jump in a holodeck because they're full of crap. It is Star Trek. It is pure Star Trek. And I love it. You love it. And I'm glad that you took the opportunity to point out what you think can be approved upon in it in a very, in a very nice way. Because what you say in that opinion piece is not wrong. Even though we're talking about Discovery right now, and this is Strange New Worlds, you brought it up. So I'm just going to say, you're not wrong at all about what you brought up in that piece, man. Well, and I bring it up to say, you know, no Star Trek is perfect. Mm -hmm. And certainly Strange New Worlds is not perfect. um, And nor is anyone expecting it to be. But I think it invokes a, a, a feeling of comfort. I think it invokes a reminiscence of what it was that ignited the fandoms of so many. Um, because I mean, you and I grew up on the original series and then of course we, we went into the movies and next gen and all everything that came after that. There are plenty of people who came into the franchise on next gen or Voyager or deep space nine or enterprise. And I think it evokes that feeling of what they loved about Star Trek in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's not to say discovery doesn't invoke that it does in a very different way, but you know, it's, I think it's this nostalgic look at, at what Trek was in a modern storytelling venue mm-hmm. that I think really has caused people to just gush over the series. I agree. And I think, I think based on what we've seen so far, what we know is coming in the next few episodes and what we can expect in the remainder of the season, they will continue to gush over it. I think that um, this is, like you said, I think many people, no matter if you started with the original series or if you started with um, Lower Decks or Prodigy, this is going to become a lot of people's favorite Star Trek series ever. And I think that is a tribute to the writing. I think it's a tribute to the uh, the upper management uh, making the decisions. And it certainly is a testament to the cast. Um, that you can see the passion in this, uh, with every scene that they're in, uh, the behind the scenes, people who are building this incredible starship and the special effects, which are just unbelievable. Everything that's poured into this is reflected in a way that I think people are just going to love it. And can you imagine what Anson Mount must be thinking when, when people are going to come up to him and say, you're my favorite captain and you got my kids started in Star Trek? Because we know what it happens yeah. when it happens to people like Sonequa. And for someone who's such a fan like Anson is, I, I can't wait to hear about those conversations at conventions. Well, Dan, as, as you mentioned uh, earlier in the show, we have seen the first five episodes total of Strange New World. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot that's going to happen. Oh, my God. It's, uh, it's pretty, <laughs> I just I can't even. So I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing yeah. like put. Too, putting too fine, a, uh, too fine a point on it there. So I can't even... It's for you to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, I'm just going to leave that all there. Okay. Um, it, it's exciting. I, I don't think there's been this kind of response to a series in our lifetime, and that includes Next Gen. I don't disagree with you, man. I just see all kinds of comments on social media about how this is the best two episodes of Star Trek starting series ever seen. They love the cast. They love the storylines. They love the return to this episodic Trek that we talked about uh, during the main portion of this of this discussion. And and I agree with with everything that these people are saying. 
Well, episode three, Ghosts of Illyria, drops on Thursday. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I, we should just insert this laugh track whenever we talk about Strange New Worlds now, because, <laughs> or or maybe, you know, Giggity from Family Guy, ah. uh, because I think you feel just about that particular way. Yes, very giggity up. Very giggity. Yes. You know what else we're very giggity about, Dan? Giggity. Five-year mission. Oh. They are every ounce of music you hear on Trek Geeks, and well, without them, this—you'd uh, have to listen to Dan's just Ugh. babbling, Ugh. monotonous voice all the mm. time, and really nobody wants to listen to that. I so don't. we kind of pepper in some music so that people don't fall asleep. You see where I'm going with this? <laughs> exactly. Wake up. Um, but we want everyone to head out to fiveyearmission.net. Get their albums. I mean, get those discs in your hand because physical media is awesome. And you're going to become a huge fan of the band. I mean, we've heard it from so many people, Dan, who've never heard Five Year Mission until they started listening to Trek Geeks. And right. now they're super fans. As well they should be because Five Year Mission is, is awesome. You know what else is awesome, Bill? Besides, I, besides you. Well, that's true. Callbacks. And, and Strange New Worlds has them. And so it's kind of fitting that we're talking about this right now. But I'm not going to talk them. about Strange New Worlds right now. I'm going to talk about uh, callbacks um, of other important Trek episodes like this one, Bill. Season three of Discovery. I'm sure you're going to remember this as soon as I start talking about it. Burnham's been demoted for disobeying orders. Things are just a mess. She's not sure what to do. Then we see that Spock's vision of bringing together the Romulans and the Vulcans actually took place before the burn. We actually see Spock, too. Hence, Navarre, the Romulan and Vulcan thing. You know what I'm talking about. We, <laughs> we see Burnham reunited with her Quatmalot <laughs> mom. Sorry. Uh, and we see a possible budding romance between Saru and Tarina. And most importantly, we see a drummer reunite with his band. It's an emotional and fulfilling episode. Season three of Discovery, Unifarkation three. It's awesome. You're awesome. Fark is awesome. I'm done. I, I don't, uh, I can only hope. <laughs> I don't dispute that Fark is awesome. Mm. Um, mm. Your Farkism, no. not so much. The only thing I'm glad about is that there won't be another Unifarkation anytime soon oh well i might have to just talk to the powers that be about that i'm pretty sure you've done that one before well if they not make a uh, unifarcation four then it's a whole new ball game yeah but they're not going to do that uh, okay <laughs> yeah um and uh, just, just for the record can you um tell me what order burnham's mom is a member of the Kowat Malat. <laughs> the first time you said it, you laughed through it, so I oh. wasn't sure if you could actually pronounce it or not. <laughs> Sorry. See, I tend to laugh because I'm looking at you all day long. FiveYearMission.net. Go get their albums. Seriously. <laughs> Don't forget, you too can support the Trekkies Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon, where, Dan, we have a whole bunch of people who are so amazing and awesome with their support, and... Um, the ranks keep growing, and we're just grateful for everyone. Absolutely. It's always amazing when we see new people uh, join the Patreons uh, over at our, our, our site. We, we are so grateful. We are so thankful for the support. Uh, every single day, I kind of scratch my head and say, wow, I, I still can't believe this is happening. And, and we're going to reward you when you join Patreon because we're going to have perks, and we're going to be talking about new perks pretty soon. I know I've been saying that for like a year, but it's really happening now. I, I swear. I promise. Uh, right now, though, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. As I said, we are just so grateful for their support. And they are. Vikram Bhatt, Brad DeMag, 
William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Aaron Molenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. <laughs> You're almost going to pop like into Kermit the Frog there for a second, I thought. <laughs> we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support, and I'm not going to do any Kermit the Frog impersonations whatsoever. Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchon, Matt McGonagall, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shafsky, Terry Shaw, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, who is on time today, by the way. <laughs> and of course, the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Doubt it. Dan, the senior. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what has Jess ever done to you? Not, no, not Jess. I meant Christina. B. Oh, yeah. Christina's probably not on time. No, no, no. That's, no, that's no. true. <laughs> Jess is wonderful, by the wonderful, way. Wonderful. Beautiful. Wonderful. Um, Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the genuinely jocular Jude Tatman. Genuinely. Jo- Genuinely. Jocular. Yes, absolutely. And you too can become a producer of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. It is so easy to do. Even Bill could do it if he wasn't running the thing. Just head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. It's always touch and go when I'm running the show. Dan, next time we get together, I, I think it'll be easy to quote a line from this movie because I, I think it all the time in regards to your face. And that's, I have had enough of you. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, really. Okay. I see where... I see where... Okay, so you want to kick me in the face until I fall off a cliff and into a pool of lava, is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, thanks, pal. Yeah, that's right, listeners. Next week, we're going to talk all about Captain J.T. Esteban stealing the Enterprise, a, a whacked-out Dr. McCoy, a new and way better Savick, and a reborn Spock. Oh, yeah, and Doc Brown starring as the main Klingon antagonist. <laughs> uh, it's Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and we're going to break it all down next time on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. The best part about the next episode is all of the times you're going to do Christopher Lloyd impersonations. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course, for even more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So many fantastic shows, all created by passionate fans who just want to celebrate Star Trek and Gene's Vision. You can find all our podcasts in the free Trek Geeks mobile app or get a link to your favorite podcast player by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Star Trek Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. <laughs> the what? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> I was trying to do Doc Brown. I screwed up. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. I said the Star Trek, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I did. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not going to try to throw in any comedy anymore. Uh, the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. People would argue that for seven years you haven't thrown in any. Of course, for all the news on all the Star Treks, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 282 of the Trek Geeks podcast. Live long and prosper. Coconut! Okay. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. 
For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Oh, I, to you, I, I got a governor. Wait, wait, we're going all over the place. We've gone oh. from England to Scotland. Uh, that's all right. We'll put another strip on the bobby there, governor there. Yes. Bing bong. What is wrong uh, with you? Yes. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> Bien gracias. See you instead. Yes. It's been a while, so, you know, I get a lot of energy. Ah. <laughs> None of it useful. <laughs> well, that's, that doesn't matter. Has it ever? It's, it's never stopped you. Let's put it that way. <laughs> How are you? I'm well. How are you? You, you sound and feel, you look a lot better. You actually don't oh. look like death warmed over. No, I, I feel good. Um, we had a great time at Disney and then uh, I got back and I had a gout flare up on my foot and that is just the worst thing you would ever want and it lasted a lot longer than I've ever dealt with it before. So I had a rough week last week. Very rough. So you've gone from COVID Mm. To Disney to gout. Yeah. That's not a great progression. But now, but now it all culminate, culminates. Culminates. Oh my god! Culminates. It culminates. It's culminating right now. Actually, I'm culminating. It, it with, with I am now a legal driver of my uh, Can-Am Spider. So I'm very happy about that. Now I can go out and ride around, and it's awesome. Because New, remember- New Hampshire requires a course. And a license for a three-wheeled motorcycle. I remember a time when I don't believe that was the case. I think when those first came out like 20 years ago mm-hmm. or 15 years ago or whatever 15, it was. Yeah. 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 Um, because I contemplated getting one and then I decided I didn't want to have a midlife crisis. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a midlife crisis for me because it was 15 years ago and I said I wanted to get one and I wasn't near midlife at that point. But Well, now, now <laughs> you I've don't know one. that. Now I've got one. Oh, that's true. Um but I, I was in Maine at the time they came out, but I think you're right. They actually came out with a special requirement. It's a motorcycle license with a restriction that it's only for three-wheeled motorcycles. So I had to take Interesting. Course. It Interesting. It was a great, it was a weekend course. It was like four hours every day, but the people there were all great. Everybody passed and it was great. It was, it was a nice weekend to get that taken care of. So did you have to bring your Can-Am Spider to this course? No, we didn't have to. They supplied them. But, you know, a couple people said, oh, I took the chance. I'm just bringing my own anyway. So Sunday I said, yeah, I'm bringing my own. So I, I drove it down the, the three miles from my house to the to where the course was. And, and if I had gotten pulled over, I would have said, dude, I'm going to get my license right now. So you can just come look at it. But I didn't get stopped. And now, and- now it's okay. Knowing Nashville police, they still would have given you a ticket. Well, luckily it was in Merrimack, so I might have done a bit better. I probably would have been in jail if it was the Nashville police. That's true. <laughs> That's true. They're Just not my kidding. favorite. The Nashville police are, are you know, they, they serve. They protect and serve. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. <laughs> I lo- I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not going to trash any group of police officers except the Nashville police, but that's just me. <laughs> okay, then. All right. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that was good. I'm very happy about that. And then um, let's see what else has happened since I talked to you uh, and our lovely listeners recently. Oh, somebody, I forget who it was, and I apologize, posted in Camp Kittimer 
about the amazing-looking Exo-6 Mirror Universe Sulu that is on pre-order right now. Isn't the likeness of that just amazing? It is so good that me, who said I would not get Exo-6 because I don't want to spend that much money on action figures, has <laughs> now ordered two. I ordered Mirror Spock and Sulu in the same day, so... What a shock that you ordered the mirror ones. I know. I'm going to do those and um, Captain Pike. When Pike comes in his wheelchair, we saw that in Chicago. I will be yeah. getting that one. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I'm torn because I there's a part of me that would want Captain Pike in the wheelchair, but there's a part of me that wants to wait till there's an Anson Mount Captain Pike. Oh, I'm sure that'll be happening. I we'll, just, we'll, just get, we'll get the Captain Pike in the wheelchair one because it actually is going to make noise and, and light up, which is kind of cool. Boop. And And then when Pike comes out you can like stand up behind him like he's pushing himself around that's a little like meta you know <laughs> well i mean he's he's seen himself all the time now anyway so he might as well you know make it you know official well it's not getting spoilers yet um, ah. well i guess but what well, but i guess by this point that's of right. the podcast it's, it will have happened we've already talked about it's the like fact the that there could be spoilers thing you know I it's like the, the multiverse of the emptiness of dan's brain right uh, the, the multitude of ma- multiverse of madness, multitude. Dr. No, no. Strange, what? In your case, it's the it's it's the multitude of emptiness. <laughs> emptiness, right? I can't wait to see that movie. It's going off on a tangent. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm happy for you. Yes, they had a lot of uh, Doctor Strange um, stuff down in Disney. No, you don't say. Yeah, well, quite a bit. The whole Marvel store was pretty much uh, Doctor Strangeed out. Stunned. Yeah. I saw the first Doctor Strange. Meh. I liked it. I, I don't have an interest in the second one. This looks great because there's so much more going on than just Doctor Strange. And he plays the key part in the latest Spider-Man movie that I actually just purchased yesterday. We'll probably be watching this weekend. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Marvel Universe, baby. Love it. Second favorite, I think, to Trek. Really? Yeah. Now, was that always true or just since the Marvel Cinematic Universe started? Um, Good question. I've... When I was a kid, I collected comic books, and I really stuck to Marvel more than DC. I just love the Marvel Universe of comics, but uh, I am just such a huge fan of the MCU movies um, and what they've done. Uh, so I think it's maybe it was always uh, second to Trek, but it, now with the movies, it's it's moved up uh, in that second place. If there's a, if can you have like a higher second place than lower second place? Not I don't really. Know if you can, but not really. I think I think they call that lower second place third place. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, what what if he didn't have anything in second place though? You would have to. <laughs> it, it, you I don't have, count from one to three. I need a drink. Well, you might, but <laughs> now somebody's going to go. You can have a lower second place. No, I, if we're going just with whole integers, if you have to stack rank something one, two, three, there is no two A, two B. Okay, then it's always been two. All right. Now it's higher on the list of two A. Oh my God. <laughs> But yeah, I, I love what the MCU's and there's a whole bunch of speculation right now that um, they're going to be doing a bunch of new movies. And then in seven years, they may do The Secret Wars, which was a comic book series, which was phenomenal. Um, if they do that, I'll be extremely, extremely excited. They also dropped something this weekend at a convention. It wasn't Starfest where they showed footage. I don't know if it was a tryout or if it was if it was fan done, but it was on screen of our friend Krasinski from The Office as Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. I I know something about this, and I can't tell you. Okay. Thank you. Just as I know something about our friend Anson Mount, and I can't tell you. Okay, that's fine. I appreciate that. 
You can't tell me because we're recording, or you can't tell me because you're just going to be a jerk and not tell your podcast partner later. I can't tell you because I don't want to ruin anything for you. Oh, okay. All right. It's not really ruining anything. I mean, it's not like it's going to be crushing to me. Oh, wait. Okay, no, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, the more you just, you eventually bring yourself around by talking and with that sort of, you know, diary of the mouth. Yes. Um, but sometimes the answer I give you just has to be good enough. Right. My brother-in-law calls it spewing the BS, but he but he pulls the whole BS word in there. My dad yeah. used to do that a lot. And we used to do, Bleh! that's what we used to do whenever he was doing it. Apple, tree, no distance. No, none at all. No. It's like, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So well, um, well, congratulations. I mean, thank you for uh, eight minutes of what's going on in the life of Dan Davidson. I'm sure our viewers will be, our listeners will be more than excited to, to hear about your painful feet the way, the way and how much you love Doctor Strange. Um, if, to hear more about Dan's <laughs> pedantic life, yeah. please get his email newsletter available at dansucksbackslash.org. The, the way I look at it, our listeners just listen to a wonderful 45-minute to hour conversation about our topic, and they need something to fall asleep to now because they're worn out because they were so excited about what we talked to. I'm here to help. That's what it's all about. You know a lot of people listen to podcasts and the commission of doing things like driving, right? Not everyone. I said a lot. I don't care. Well, so? No, you don't care. That's really what it comes down to. So <laughs> I don't care what some, you say. Somebody's going to drive into a bridge abutment because of you. Well, my, well, whether it's they're falling asleep or they're just, they just can't stand the sound. I really am not sure. <laughs> it could go, really go either way. <laughs> I know which one I'd pick. Yeah, I definitely know which one you'd pick. Uh, this got dark all of a sudden. When, does it, when doesn't it, Bill? Um, you drag us there. I just, I, I'm going to, you drag us there. I'm not going to suffer alone. Oh, no, you're making the rest of us suffer all the way kicking <laughs> and screaming. I suffer every week when I hit the record, uh, <coughs> join button. Whatever. Yeah, say, you don't click anything that says record. <laughs> um, that's all done by the producer. All right. That's you. You yeah. are the producer and you're a fine yeah. producer. You're a damn good producer. As we record this, since I'm the producer, I'm going to move this crap along now because we're okay. at 10 minutes almost and you've said nothing of import. But it's fun. Um, and we are 98 days away from Vegas and the 56-year mission tour where we are official guests. Okay. Can you believe that? That's pretty awesome. The con that I used to have to beg you to try to go to, kicking and screaming, mm -hmm. is now one where you are a featured guest on the website. I understand that. I'm very excited about that. You sound really excited I don't want to, you know, this is your moment. I don't want to take away from it. Go ahead. <laughs> this is my <laughs> moment. Dude, we've had 280 some odd episodes of your moments. I am so excited about this. I cannot even tell you. I cannot wait for this. It's going to be awesome sauce. All right. First, we're going to have a, there's a moratorium on a couple of things here. Use of Niner outside of Take Me Out to the Hollow Suites or referencing the San Francisco professional football team. Oh. Or Good, I like Awesome Sauce, which is about 20 years too late. It was just a commercial on it for the Discover card like a year ago. And who uses the Discover card? I, Nobody. That is neither here nor there. Nobody. Nor anywhere. It was a commercial. It, apparently, it's living rent-free in your head is where it is. Uh, no, actually, I think it's more living rent-free in your head because you're telling me I can't use it anymore. Um, We're at 11 no. minutes now, I'm just saying. 
<laughs> no, it's not living rent free in my head. I'm 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 calling a moratorium on the use of awesome sauce. All right. Well, I'll just keep talking like Cyrano Jones. Because there's nothing that makes a a fifty something year old man sound dumber than he already is. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. One. Well, and every and and there we are. <laughs> um. So yeah, we're going to Vegas. It's gonna be a great time. We're gonna talk about the fan sets party. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. be awesome. And look at First, him wearing the shirt. That that, should, that calls back some memories of a fan geeks party in the past. It does. It does. Yes, yeah. um, last oh, one was Barry. three years ago. It was oh, a long time. Where uh, yeah. we'll talk about that more. Um, you ready to to do yeah, this? Let's get it done. Jerky McJerkerson. Thank you very much. I'm not. Gonna You're not going to even finish that, no, are you? Not gonna. It's it's better off that way. Probably. For us all. So say we all. And scene. Cut. Print it. <laughs> Cut. The cheese. Yes, we're 12. Coconut!